bless the Lord. So I've been thinking about us as a a group. So much going on. So much, you know, talking about what's going on with ISIS and just taking over a whole bunch of Christian towns in northern Syria again. I mean, uh, just keeps rolling on and on. Just got into a dialogue with the Lord this week, and so I'm going to be kind of talking out of some some of that dialogue and uh, what that formulated in my own head. And what I came up with, we are by design and within the plan and purposes of God a, a community. We are a community, a, a community of believers. And within that designation, there is contained certain dynamics that bring about both power and pleasure. Community is common union. In other words, we're all about the same things. We all have the same focuses, same goals, the same purpose, and the same agenda. It's not to say that we are robotic in how this dynamic is lived out or that uh, we live as under some form of dictatorial rule where no one but the elite few have any influence to motivate what or what does not express the life of the community. Common union means that the cause or purpose of the community's very existence has captured your heart and drawn you into some level of commitment that brings a sense of power or pleasure to your life. According to the scriptures, both of these, that is power and pleasure, are the innate result of unity that becomes common to any group of people. But it is the purpose behind the unity that determines whether that power or pleasure will be used for good or for evil. Two scriptures. Genesis 11.6 The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, common union. And they have all one language, And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. That's the power of common union. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. In Christ, I want you to know that that is amplified. Hmm. Come, let us get down and there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, obviously, the motivation behind their common union was evil in its intent and purpose. And if you read in context, you, you find out that they were in direct opposition to God's command to Noah and his sons to go out and fill the whole earth. They came to the land of Shinar, and they said hey, let's settle here, let's build a tower up to heaven, lest the Lord scatter us over the whole earth. In other words, we want to do exactly the opposite of what he told us to do. So God says that's not a good way to approach common union. The other is in Psalm 133. It's called a song of ascents. In other words, this is going to bring you up. 
Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Obviously, this is within the parameters of the will of God because it produces eternal life. As a community of believers in Jesus Christ, we are first and foremost united with him through both the power of the cross as well as through the power of the resurrection. And therefore, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Our unity with him is such in the spirit realm that where Christ is, we also are. And wherever we are, Christ is also. You step into a room, Jesus steps into that room with you. Martha stepped into a room on Friday. She went down to see her homeopathic doctor who after she finished with Martha, she says, now I need to send you to this woman's home because she's really fading fast and you're going to pray for her and God is going to do something. And <laughs> just okay. So she got an assignment, you know, and she walked into a room where this woman was just fading fast, failing. But she didn't walk in that room alone. And Christ came with her. That means that our little community is part of a much larger community, a community that Jesus calls the kingdom of God. It is out of this community, the kingdom of God, that our community has been called to its purpose in common union. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. That's community. That's common union. Jesus Christ, our Lord, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you and that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment because of who drew us together. We've got to protect that unity. Often, common unity is initiated by a common crisis. I think we're seeing this uh, taking place with this ISIS thing. If you're uh, on Facebook at all or following the Hampshire Alliance or some of these blogs that are going, uh, there is a worldwide drawing together for prayer for the Christian community, the larger Christian community around the world. Pray for these people that are being persecuted. Pray for these persecutors. Crisis often brings common unity. So I, I've got this clip I'm going to show you from the Lord of the Rings. And after the clip, I'm going to point out several factors that will bring a common crisis to common unity. Common unity, a time of crisis. First thing that happens is there must be a call to action, a directive must come from someone who has the power, authority, or respect of those being called. The call is to unity, unite or fall. 
Do we have a call to action? In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and said to them, is someone you're going to follow? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Second point, no matter how much you have gone through, no matter how much you have suffered, you cannot use the enemy's devices to overcome him. You cannot wield it. None of us can. Evil can never be used to accomplish good. I've been reading a lot of um, debating going on uh, locally and on a, on a blog called Small Pastors Blog. A lot of people are tripping over the fact of a call to pray for ISIS. How can we pray for these people? Look at what they're doing to the church. You flip the coin over, how can we not? How can we condemn those who condemn our brothers and sisters? How can we use the devices of the evil one to overcome evil? doesn't work. Pray for them who despitefully use you. Peter says this in 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you have unity in mind. Have unity in mind. Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. Have unity in mind. Do not repay evil for evil. Next time you want to lash out, remember, if you do, you step out of unity with Christ. Third point, the natural man cannot overcome evil by natural means. The ring cannot be destroyed by any craft that we here possess. All the feeding programs, financial aid that went into Africa has not eradicated the poverty, hunger, warfare, or disease on that continent. We must turn to the supernatural for our victories. Case in point is Uganda, once home of the infamous Idi Amin, who at one point in time was murdering so many people that the dams in the rivers would clog up from dead bodies. Listen to the report about Uganda from George Otis's Sentinel Group. When Amin was deposed, the people were grateful to God, but that's all. According to Melindi, he's a, an evangelist from Uganda, when the conditions grew worse under Amin's successor, Oboti, thousands of people again began to pray in earnest. After two years of deep travail, God answered the people. God answered, and people stopped praying. Then came the age scourge. By 1988, Uganda had the highest rate of AIDS in the world. 
The World Health Organization's prediction was, was dire. A third of the population would die by 1997, and another third would be too weak to work. Give me a net, and I'll fish Uganda out of troubled waters, God spoke to Melindy. He knew that prayer was that net. Convinced that God had a redemptive purpose for his nation that the enemy was trying to destroy, Melindy began to travel the country calling people to prayer. Thousands joined together to fast and pray. President Museveni, in a day of national repentance, repealed Uganda's covenant with Islam and rededicated the nation to God. The people wailed for six hours and past wounds were healed. Prayer in Uganda had moved past provocation to partnering unity with God to see his purposes fulfilled. God changed the reputation of Uganda from a nation forsaken to a model in Africa. Today, churches are thriving. Christian media is influential, and prayer fellowships are active among lawyers and members of parliament. The Central Bank of Uganda doesn't start a day without prayer. Three radio stations lead the nation in prayer from 5 to 6 a.m. <laughs> Secular stations are giving programs free to pastors to try to attract listeners back. The economy has recovered. The HIV-AIDS infection rate has dropped from 30% in 1995 to 5%. Christians of all confessions are networking or uniting to make disciples of the whole nation and to serve other nations. Wow. Wow. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, to take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. There's the unity. Fourth point, the fellowship of the ring. Unity is not the natural inclination of man. The awareness of evil or the awareness of a cause is never enough to unite a people. If I only present the situation, I will only get varying opinions. Unity is always focused. It is not a broad-based concept. The ecumenical idea of unity for the sake of unity based on things we do agree on is destined to fail because of the, th because of the things we disagree on. Listen to James. You believe that there is one God? You all believe that? Everyone in this room believe that? Well, hallelujah, you do well. Even the demons believe this. 
and tremble. Does that mean we should or have a hold, hold a sense of unity with the demons because we all believe there's one God? <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. It takes more than the vision of an individual and the momentum of a community that is willing to answer the call to respond to the need at whatever cost to bring other individuals to a place of focused unity and purpose. Just because we gather together monthly or worship together quarterly or speak civilly to one another when we are face to face, if our difference holds sways over our heartfelt commitment to common unity, then it will take a profound move of the Holy Spirit within a community of communities to forge common unity. We see this happen on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on the early church in Jerusalem. The larger community of Jerusalem began to respond to God's move and inquire as to what was happening. Peter answers, and the result is common unity. Peter answered in Acts 2.14, Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said to them, Men, Jews, and all who dwell at Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. Now here's the result in Acts 2.40. With many other words he earnestly testified and exhorted, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added about 3,000 souls. What happened? God created a common unity that created a community. And they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came on every soul and many wonders and miracles took place through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things common. All who believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods, distributed them to all according as anyone had need, and continuing in one accord, continuing in common unity in the temple, breaking of bread house to house, they shared food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So today, I'm standing up because I'm beginning to see these types of movements begin in New Hampshire. There's a movement happening right now, and you'll be hearing more about this in the weeks to come, called the Orange Ribbon Prayer Movement. The orange ribbons represent the orange uniforms that the men and women that are being beheaded by ISIS have to wear when their uh, executions are videotaped. It's a prayer mu movement for the persecuted church and the persecutors. And it's a quick and powerful call to unity. The kingdom of God is at hand talked about this last week. And in our own local, local community, I believe God is calling us to respond to our own threat. 
how are we going to stop the heroin epidemic in Laconia? Buried more kids last week. We've already lost too many young lives to heroin overdoses to stand silent any longer. Will stand with me to fight the good fight against this scourge through focus, prayer, and fasting, and the petitioning of a divine intervention by the Holy Spirit to drive out this demonic stronghold in our city. Yeah, I went last week with Carl Sanborn. We attended a uh, community meeting to well, was advertised as to try to come up with a solution to this heroin epidemic. We sat there and listened for two hours to what sounded more like a corporate plan to overcome problems within a corporate structure. Consider this and look at this and divide the, the problem up into five different groups of how there could be responses and we'll form a little group if you're interested in advertising this and you know if you're interested in doing some type of fundraiser you're over at this table and, and not once were the victims of the heroin scourge mentioned and I wondered why I was there and I realized why I was there to see that the only response they have is a natural response but we have something to add to the mix, and they don't even have to know what's going on. It's the kingdom of God, and we are it. And if we respond, the scourge will flee. If we don't, it'll own this city. The journey will be perilous at times, and it'll cost you something. Maybe it'll cost you everything. I don't know. None of us can do it alone. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom. We will unite or we will fall. And don't think that these children perishing doesn't affect the church. We're not secure in these four walls. May we never be. I'm going to ask you to pray every day, specifically mentioning this scourge, this heroin epidemic in our city. I'm going to ask you to pray every day prayers of protection over the young people who are dabbling in things they have no idea are as dangerous as they are. I'm going to ask you to post prayers on Facebook and encourage others to join you in prayer for our young people and against the assault on their lives by Satan. Through any social media that you have access to, make this known to the kingdom. Make this known that the kingdom is beginning to move. Make a proclamation, stated as proclamation, that we have decided to stand up against the work of the enemy in this city. Let us follow Paul's admonition to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner 
worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is a worthy endeavor. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let us move against the darkness and bring the light of the love of Jesus Christ to bear on the works and seams of the evil one in the city of Laconia. I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me. And I'm going to give an invitation. And before you do not respond to it, before you do not respond to it, I'd like you to really pray about the invitation. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come this morning. This is a heavy task. This will touch things in our own hearts, minds, memories, and lives. It will bring to the forefront things that we have hidden in our own hearts that we don't want to look at, that we don't want to see. But, oh God, if we do not, if we do not rise up at this time, a generation will perish before our eyes and our silence will condemn us. So we invite you first and foremost, Holy Spirit, come and search us, examine us, oh God. See if there be anything in us that the enemy can hook into as we rise up against him. Lord, we ask you to give us the armor to do this battle for your kingdom's sake and the glory of your name, the well-being of a generation, O oh God.